You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. Have you, um, have you ever been in a situation, I'm sure you have one way or another, but where, whether it's a telemarketer or a salesman or a door-to-door salesman or somebody kind of gets into your world and they're really trying hard to get you to do something or sell you something. You ever been like that? And after a while you're like, no, I'm just not interested. I remember when I was in high school. I don't know how the, I feel for uh, Army or, you know, Navy recruiters, that kind of thing, because they have such a hard job trying to, you know, to get people to sign up. And I don't know how, what they look for on the list, but I landed on one of their short lists when I was in high school. And so I had this one Army recruiter that just kept reaching out to me, kept reaching out to me, kept reaching out to me. And after, like, the third or fourth contact, I don't know if I was a nice guy and just didn't say no, or I, I don't remember that far back or whatever, or, but I just remember, I'm like, what do I have to do? Like, I don't want to do that. My dad served in the Navy. It was great. You know, I'm grateful for our, for our veterans and for those that serve. It just wasn't something that I was aspiring to. Probably like a lot of kids in high school, I don't know what I wanted to do at that time, you know, but I just, I didn't want to do that. It just didn't interest me. You know, when God comes calling, We don't need to blow him off or ghost him. We don't need to figure out, like, how can I get rid of this guy? How can I, you know, duck? How can I do something else? When God comes calling in your life, you and I need to listen. We need to pay attention. We kind of need to be alert for it. And to be honest with you, he's often calling our name, and he's often reaching out to us, and we're kind of oblivious. We're we're easily distracted as people. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. You know, the parents are in the room like, oh, yeah, my kids are easily distracted. The wives in the room are like, yeah, husbands are especially easily distracted. We are easily distracted, busy, and all of that. But God is so often reaching out to us and calling to us, and sometimes it's hard to hear the voice of God in our lives. We're going to see a story this morning of of a young man named Samuel as we've started this series walking through the book of Samuel, and he is a little bit older. We don't know how old he is. We don't know if he's what stage of kingdom or teenage life or young adult he is, but he's somewhere in that that category. So, you know, he's not adulting yet, I guess would be the thing that we would say today, but he's young, and God comes knocking on his door. In the process, of, we're going to see how you and I should respond, how we should respond when God comes calling, and some things that God is probably doing and wants to do in your life. So join with me, if you would, at 1 Samuel chapter 3. You can pull out your phone or your Bible. I'm going to, I have jumped to the new world. Some of you are like, it's about time, but I've finally got some reading glasses that you're all clear, and I can see you here, but they're bifocals, and I can kind of, oh, I can read that too at the same time. It's the, I'm going to try to not play the on and off game. Some of you are like, thank you, Sean, for growing up and just realizing where you are in the world. You need glasses. So read with me if you would in 1 Samuel 3. The Bible says this. I'm going to read the whole chapter because it's, it's really one single story and you can't break it up. So the Bible says this. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. Remember, Eli's the priest. He's the leader. And he's kind of mentoring Samuel. He's there serving in, in the house of the Lord. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. That was not because God didn't want to give it. It's because the people through whom it should have come were not qualified. God was busy raising up Samuel. God wants to reach out to us. They just weren't ready to hear it and didn't have a conduit through whom he could speak. So at that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim, he's elderly, he's aging, so that he could not see, 
was lying down in his own place. He was going to bed late at night. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. wasn't middle of the night yet. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am. Samuel said, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he, talking about Eli, said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call you, my son. Lie down again. Now get this. This verse is important. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. He kind of got, he did not know him personally. He believed in God. He was serving God, but he didn't personally know God yet. And the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and he said, Here I am, for you called me. Now let's be honest. This tells us a little bit about Samuel's character. How many of your kids would get up three times in the night like, what is wrong with you, mom and dad? You know, I, you're obviously calling me. Why? What, what kind of psychotic thing is going on? You know, and just respectfully and not grumbly. He's just walking in, kind of like saluting. Here I am. What do you want me to do? Incredible. Just you get a picture of his, his heart and submission and obedience and all kinds of things. Patience, all kinds of things in there. Therefore, in verse 9, Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord. Samuel, I'm not calling you. God's calling you. Say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and laid down in his place. Crazy that God would be calling Samuel and Samuel not realize it. The God of heaven, the God of the universe, speaking to him, and he hears it, but he doesn't really know what he's hearing, doesn't understand it, doesn't grasp the gravity of the situation yet. So often you and I are like that in our lives. And the Lord, in verse 10, came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. He submitted himself before God and said, God, I am your servant. I'm all ears. I'm listening. What do you want to tell me? Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. You ever heard that phrase, you know, of your ears been itching, you know, tickling your ears, like we've been talking about you. That's where the phrase comes from. It's a biblical uh, idea. And on that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I've spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity or the sin that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. We talked about that story last week. His sons were off the chain, horrible. They would be headlines in the newspapers and scandals if it were today, and he did nothing to restrain them. And God said, enough. I am taking care of this. And Samuel, I'm revealing to you what I'm going to do to his family. Quite no pressure there for a young man hearing that his mentor is about to be judged of the Lord and he has to take that in. But God is now for the first time revealing himself to Samuel, introducing himself. Samuel is knowing him, and he's beginning to give Samuel his future marching orders. 
Therefore, in verse 14, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. I cannot think of a more literally damning statement in all of Scripture than to say his family will find no forgiveness of sin, no sacrifice, because they've rejected and blasphemed the only avenue of sacrifice, my son Jesus. Therefore, if they reject that, there is nothing. There is no hope. There is no forgiveness of their sin. Samuel lay until morning in verse 15. I can imagine he'd lay there, probably didn't sleep a whole lot. What do I do with this? And then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. That was his job. And Samuel is afraid to tell the vision to Eli. I'd be scared too. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, he said, here I am. And Eli said, what was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord let him do what seems good to him. And here's the last little snapshot. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him. Another huge phrase. And, this is amazing, let none of his words fall to the ground. I wish you and I could say that. I can't say that in my life. You probably can't either. But none of his words fell to the ground because God was with him. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, it would be like from the... New York City to Plattsburgh to Buffalo, you know, just that whole area, if you will, in Israel, knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. I've got three or four things to share with you out of this, this story this morning. And the first thing I want us to recognize is, is that God wants us to know him not just believe in Him. He wants us to know Him. Folks, there's a difference. We talk about faith. It's easy for churches to talk about faith. It's easy for people of different religions, different Christian denominations, different backgrounds to talk about faith. Well, I believe. Well, I, I believe. When we all talk about faith, well, I believe. You know, We even talk about that, talk with people. Well, do you believe in where you are? But I want you to know that the Bible goes a step further Samuel believed in God. He wasn't just going through this because that's what he had to do. Like, this is a, an obedient, submissive young man who was, was buying in, and he was opening the house of the Lord. He believed the things that he was hearing, and, and he believed in God, but he didn't yet know God. There's a difference. See, there is a difference. It's easy to go to church. He, he didn't just go to church. He lived at the church. His house was in the temple. Like It was his job. Oh, he was there more than any of us in this room, including me. And he believed in God, but he didn't yet know God. He didn't yet have a personal relationship with Him. He didn't yet, hadn't been introduced to Him. There's a difference in our life with that. You see, in our lives... And for the children and the teenagers in the room, especially if you've been brought up in a, in a home that's taught you the Bible or the church, you know, that's, that talks about it and believes it and kind of lifts it, it's easy to kind of grow up with it and you're familiar with it and you're just like, well, I, I believe that, I understand that, but there's a difference between believing it and knowing the God of the Bible. There's a difference between believing in the God of the Bible versus knowing the God of the Bible. Mom and dad, adults in the room, like there's plenty of things you might believe in. Maybe it's early football season and you've got high hopes in your team. 
I'm sorry, Jets fans, for your quarterback that got hurt. I'm like, wasn't it the first play, the first game of the year? I mean, you're, you're, I really do. I'm like, oh my goodness, seriously, you got to be kidding me. You know, you get a, a new quarterback, all-star kind of guy and all of that, we'll make the Hall of Fame. Anyway, and my guess is you were putting like, this is going to be a new year. I mean, we have Aaron Rodgers. He's our quarterback, and Aaron, we're going to trust, and gone. You may hope, and we may believe in an individual. We may believe in or hope and that God's going to take care of us, that we believe in Him, but there's a difference between believing in somebody and knowing that somebody, having a personal relationship with that somebody, being able to talk to that somebody, having their cell phone that you can call and text, having access to that somebody. Samuel didn't have that direct access to God. God had not yet revealed Himself to him. And so what has to happen in our lives that we talk about in so many different ways is that, that God is real in heaven and most of the world doesn't really know Him. Even if they believe in Him, that there's this kind of this next step in our life that goes beyond just religion, that goes beyond just a, a faith, even a blind faith, to a, a step where we, much like Samuel, say, I want to be your servant Lord. Samuel didn't understand what we understand today in the New Testament that Jesus came and he died on the cross for our sins. He didn't understand that his name would be Jesus. He didn't understand all of those, but he was familiar with the sacrifices and he yielded himself, he surrendered himself to the light that God had given him and to the God's authority in his life and said, you are my Lord of my life. See, that's the same thing that we have to do today. We just do it with a little bit more enlightenment. For you and for me to know God, we have to say, God, I know that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I don't deserve forgiveness. But I know that you love me anyway. And you don't just ignore my sin. You're not just going to sweep it under the rug. You're not going to just love me like my grandmother does, even if I've been not so good or whatever. That you actually sent your son Jesus to die on the cross instead of me, to pay the price I surrender my life to Jesus. I yield, and I don't just put my faith in Him, but I surrender to Him. When we take that step of faith, you and I know the God of the universe. It goes beyond just a believing in Him to a knowing Him where there is a relationship, and that's when all of a sudden our life changes, and that's when the Bible talks about being born again. That's when it means all of a sudden we like, I begin to feel the presence of God. I begin to be able where I can talk and pray. And it's not just this abstract idea that I believe in or motions I go through, but I feel connected because we know the God of heaven. God wants us to not just believe in Him, but like Samuel, He wants us to know Him. And He wants every one of us. So you're sitting there this morning, don't simply trust in your past religious experiences or you go to church or you believe in God or you believe even that Jesus died on the cross. You need to take that step of committed faith and yielding and surrendering yourself to Him and you need to say yes to Jesus and being Lord of your life. Second thing I want you to notice is not in this story, not only is it not, is it not enough just to believe in God, but God wants us to know Him through His Son Jesus. I want us to recognize that everyone that knows Him, when God calls us to know Him, He also calls us to serve Him. God makes the first move in our lives to know Him. He did it in Samuel's life. And as we respond and as we surrender, as we know Him, 
He also says, by the way, I've got a job for you to do. I don't know how that rolls in your house or how that did if your kids are, are older and gone now, but in my family, congratulations, you're a Pierce. You're going to help work around here. <laughs> it is your lucky day, you know. I mean, with the number of kids that we had, we just we were going to end up being slaves and servants with the, to our kids. So it's like, these guys better start chipping in or we're in trouble. Frankly, it's good for them anyway. So God says, you know what? You're now my kid. You're in my family. Congratulations. I've got a job for you to do too. You see, it's not that God wants us just to know him. He wants us to serve him. And in Samuel, both of those things happen at the exact same time. Same moment, God introduced himself and Samuel surrendered. God said, good, now you're ready to do what I want you to do. I'm going to start revealing to you what I'm all about. He visibly saw some manifestation of God. He didn't see all the holiness of God. He didn't see all the presence of God. It's an impossibility. So God is infinite, and how can a finite eye, finite body experience infinity? It can't. But God said, I'm going to give you a little taste, a little sample, if you will. And so he knew, from that point forward, knew the God of heaven and remembered all of that. But God said, by the way, I've got a job for you to do. I'm revealing to you some heavy stuff, Samuel. I know you're a young man. You probably don't feel like you're ready. probably don't feel like you're capable. I'm even going to kind of give you the insider trading of what's going on in your mentor's life, Eli. And Eli has done some good things for you, but he's been very disobedient. And Samuel... I'm a holy, just God in heaven, and I don't just let anything go. I deal with things, Samuel. I may deal with them longer and, and later than people want, but I'm going to deal with them, and I'm revealing this to you. See, Samuel in that moment discovered that he was going to be the spokesperson for God, and that God was going to begin revealing himself and speaking to his people personally again. Keep in mind, they didn't have all of the Bible that you and I have. I mean, they had Genesis through Deuteronomy. You know, Joshua had probably been written about at that time and Judges, but in terms of just God like telling them what to do, they didn't have all that you and I had, and they depended on more of that direct, you know, revelation than you and I have. We just have so much more opportunity with the Holy Spirit living in our lives today and, and the God's Word He points us back to. And so it was a blessing that God was telling Samuel, Samuel, I'm going to be doing something anew and afresh, and I'm doing it through you. When you and I surrender our life to Jesus, God has a plan for our lives, folks. He really had the plan before that, but it kind of begins. It's like the fireworks get lit and they begin going off in our soul, and God wants to use us and other people's lives around us. He wants to bless others through us. Have you ever noticed how needy we are as people? We're... We really are a needy lot, are we not? I mean, babies come into this world needing everything. Everything. That's why they're hardwired to cry when they're not happy. That's why they yank your chain, especially moms. You know, like, oh, my kid, you know, i got to take care of them. Like, it's kind of built in there, you know, because they need you. But those needs don't go away as we get older. Sometimes we have real needs and crises, as, as Dan mentioned. Our fire department is there seeing people in their worst days when there is a crisis need in the middle of that. I got the first taste of anything remotely like what they go through. I got when I was like 12 years old, I was playing outside in my, uh, the front yard where my, my family lived, and we lived right on a busy highway. I mean, the speed limit was 55, two-lane highway. And I was outside playing, and I heard this really bad, like, 
the whole car crash kind of thing. And I looked up and I saw one of those, not the short dump trucks, but I mean the long tractor trailer dump trailers, you know, the big ones. And I saw that it had just plowed into a car on the road. And I ran to the car. I was the first one there. I was 12 years old. And the front passenger side wheel of the truck was sitting where the driver should have been. Okay. And I remember seeing the person recognizing her as a teacher in my school. And she had gotten thrown to the passenger side. And just, you know, immediately as a 12-year-old kid, you're just kind of like, you know, your brain kind of goes in overload. I didn't know what to do. Cell phones weren't around. And, you know, eventually some others had come. And they came. She made it, thankfully, and was, was okay. I, I, I don't know if she was wearing a seatbelt. Wear your seatbelt. We know that, right? But I don't think she was. And frankly, had she been, I think she would have died. But it just... She needed help. There are some days you and I need crisis help in our lives, right? In different ways. But we all need ongoing help every single day. God made us as people not to be isolated islands. We really genuinely need each other. Whether it's a crisis in that moment or whether it's later on, it's just a we need an encouragement and we need the support or we need a little help or we're, you know, we're putting on a roof and we just need more muscle along the way. And all of those needs that we know physically, like think about all the stuff that you have to take care of and get done and take care of. That's all a picture of the needs that we have on the inside. We are needy, just as needy on the inside, folks. We can ignore it. We can neglect it. We can think that it's not true, but it is. We can act tough but it's real. And when God saves you to know Him, He wants you and I to help and to serve others. Not Sometimes we help them physically, like showing up at car scenes, but He wants us to also to help people on the inside. Well, Sean, I don't know about that. Like I can help people fix the roof. I can, I can make coffee and be nice to them as they come in the door. I can help my neighbor rake their lawn. I can, can be a good coworker and employee and not complain if it's a bad day and kind of be a positive help at the workforce. Like, I know how to do that, but how do I, how do I help somebody when they're struggling through stuff? Well, congratulations, you're normal, just like me. The first funeral that I ever did i got to take these off because I'm tired of looking at them. I'll get used to them eventually, but I feel like I'm looking at a lens through you guys. I'm not used to them yet. The first funeral I ever did, I was 23 years old. The first funeral I ever attended was that funeral that I had to perform. And I got the call in the middle of the night, and it was a young baby that was less than six months old, and it was a SIDS death. And going to the hospital and being with a family and all of that in the room with a family. And it's just like, I'm 23 years old. 100% of that was beyond me. I didn't have a kid, I don't think at that time. I don't. Yeah, I know I didn't have a kid, so maybe I was 22. But you know what I learned in that moment? You don't always have to say the right thing. What can you, there's nothing on this planet you can say in that moment that can relieve grief. In fact, it doesn't need to be relieved. People need to walk through it. But you being there, and you being with them, and them not being alone, and having support in your presence, and walking through that in the days ahead, we undersell, we have no clue how significant those kinds of things are in people's lives. 
See, that's what God was doing. God is saying, hey, I want to reveal myself to the world, not because I'm just great and I think I'm awesome and want people to know me. God's saying, I know this world's a wreck. I know this world is a train wreck. I know that people are really needy on the inside. Sometimes crisis, always chronically, every day. I'm transparent. A husband, every day I need my wife, guys. Every single day. My wife will tell you I'm really needy. (laughs) She would say amen to that if she would dare to speak up. And we need that. And God is reaching out into this world around us And he wants to use us in people's lives. wants to do that when you're at work, with your neighbors, with your friends, with people you meet at church. He wants us to view our whole life as a ministry to him, as a conduit of helping people to know him and of serving people and introducing them to him. And sometimes we think, well, what do I have along the way? I'm not good at speaking. Not everybody is. As we know, guys, we've been in church for a while. Some people are good at serving. Some people are good at at speaking. Some are good at other things. And God gives all different kinds of gifts so that all of the things that need to have happen. But know this. If you know Jesus, He has jobs for you to do. He is, in some cases, He has a significant, very specific job for you to do. In other cases, He calls you generally in many ways to just serve things that you might not ever get a title for, things that you might not ever have that show up, you know, as some sort of organization chart. But God says, no, I'm going to use you powerfully in there because you are my special agent in that family. You're my special agent in that community. You're my special agent in that office. You're my special agent in that that uh, environment. You are there serving me to be my hands and my feet and my voice because I want others to know me, to experience the grace and forgiveness and peace and hope and help inside of them, not just on the outside, but inside. And you being you and living your life and you serving and using what I've given you to reach and be a blessing and helping them along the way to be introduced to me, that's what I want to do in your life. Now sometimes that calling, we're all called to serve, but sometimes they're There are times when God speaks into somebody's life like Samuel. He says, Samuel, I'm calling you something really specific because you're not just generally being called to serve as everyone. But Samuel, I want you to be a leader in my ministry program. See, all throughout the Bible, if you look, whether it's Moses, whether it's Samuel or Elijah and Elisha, and you look at the prophets of the Old Testament, you look at Paul the Apostle and Matthew and John and Timothy, you look at all of these individuals, there is a calling in their lives that God says, there are these individuals God says, I want you to be a leader of my people, a ministry leadership. As a pastor, that was something I experienced long ago. Back, back, it was probably just a couple of years before that experience of that first funeral that I, that I uh, performed. That when God just kind of broke through into my world, much like Samuel, I was kind of minding my own business. Be honest with you, I was in college. I just wanted to my job, I wanted to I love the outdoors. I wanted to take care of the wildlife and be a biologist and all of that. And God said, yeah, no, I got something else for you. Over here is where you need to be. And as I began hearing it, I didn't want it. I didn't like it. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to do that. No, no, God, I don't want to do that. My dad's one of those. I don't want to be one of those. I want to, no, I got, no, I got other ideas and plans. And God's like, no. And finally, God just worked and worked and worked. 
to where I said, okay, God, yeah, I not only want to do that, I have to do that. I will die if I don't get to do that because that's what is in my heart. And there are individuals, and there may be some individuals here this morning that God is saying, yeah, I want you. I'm calling you in ministry leadership that I want you ultimately to be a pastor, to be a church planter, to be a missionary, to be a whatever. And we begin getting those inklings and those desires. For some people, it's a desire. Some people, it's a burden. Some people, others begin asking that we need to listen to those and we need to say yes. You see, with all of us, we need to say yes. With all of us, the ministry that God calls us to, our service that God calls us to, we will all be uncomfortable with it. Do you think Samuel was uncomfortable talking to Eli? And the Bible just said he was afraid. I'd have been afraid, you know. Your mentor, the guy that pays your bills, that takes care of you, and that's, you know, all of this, yeah, I'm going to take out his whole entire family. That's not a wonderful message of one and encouragement and be loved, you know. But when you serve God, you have to do what God tells you to do. So all of us, let me say it this way. If along the way of you serving God, it doesn't push you beyond your comfort zone, you're probably missing something. It doesn't push you to where you're like, I don't know if I'm capable, qualified. Because along the way, the answer is, yeah, you're not. It's beyond you. But God is the one that helps us there. And that's the third thing I want us to recognize. So know Jesus. God is calling you to know Him. God's calling you. If He calls you to know Him, He wants you to serve Him. It's going to push you beyond your comfort zone. The third thing is, is that God is the one that qualifies us. He's the one that qualifies us. Look at verse 19. The Bible says this, And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, let he was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. You know, we have in our mindset usually of hiring people who are qualified, capable. You know, if you're responsible to hire somebody, you're looking for good qualifications. If you're looking for a spouse, you've probably got a set of qualifications in there along the way. And what God does is He does look for qualifications but when he looks at, for qualifications of people around the world, nobody's qualified. Because <laughs> he's the one who makes us qualified. You see, it was God being with Samuel why Samuel's words didn't fall to the ground. It wasn't just that Samuel was this awesome guy who knew how to keep his mouth in check. It wasn't that Samuel was just this awesome, incredible individual that nobody else in the world can do. It was because... God was at work in his life and was with him, not just physically or metaphysically or whatever the right word is beside him, but he was at work in his mind and his heart and his functions and all the things that he was doing, and God qualified him for ministry. Truth be known, none of us are qualified for the things that God calls us to. He's the one that in turn qualifies us. Think like our, as Dan and I, as we love visiting the fire department. If you've not been through there, if you're part of Gilderland, it's an amazing facility. You're doing an open house on the 8th. You're 10 to 2. I got it? Okay, you are welcome to be a part of it. In fact, if you're interested in the fire department, they would love to talk to you, okay? And they will not hound you like the recruiter did. They'll just say, hey, here's what it is. If you're interested, let us know, all right? But, but talk to them. But go see it, it's phenomenal in there. But as we talked with them, they were describing some of the certifications they have to go through and the training they have to go through because it's dangerous work. They use equipment and things that I wouldn't even be qualified to back the truck up, you know, let alone I can even know how to grab the hose and all the pressures and everything that they're doing. They have, we were told they have the hoses that are in there. I, 
three miles long. Each truck has hoses on it for three miles. That's crazy. Crazy. Anyway, so they have, they want people that are willing and faithful and available, but they are going to qualify you, certify you, train you, equip you in stages along the way and testing and experiences and proof and all of that. And God does the exact same thing with us. Too often you and I sit back, well, I'm not ready to do that. Well, of course, you may not be ready for that today, but you can be. And God wants us to just to be trust Him, to say yes, to put ourselves out there, and let Him walk with us. And if it's a ministry like we were talking about earlier, and then sometimes it's like, well, we need to probably talk to some others and need some other people's help to train us and equip us. And that's really, as a church, that's what our job is. We are really an equipping training center for ministry and life. That's really what a church is. We're not a religious center that says, hey, everybody come in here and get something. It's We're an equipping center that comes and worships God, but God says go out and serve and be a blessing in all kinds of ways along the way. So God's the one that qualifies us. Fourth thing, and I'm done. And God is the one then who establishes our ministry. Verse 20, all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. They knew it. They saw it. They saw the mark of God on Samuel's life. They knew it. Samuel didn't have to stick up saying, excuse me, you're supposed to listen to me because i got something to say. Hey, I'm a really great guy. And Samuel wasn't over there like, oh, how do I today? How do I get more followers on my Twitter or X or whatever the thing is? How do I get more, you know, do this? How do I get this? How do I do that? And God's like, no, I'm with you. And I'm going to establish your ministry. And they just knew it. You see, when you're a follower of Jesus and you're serving in the ways that God wants you to serve, God blesses that. And people around you just know. When I, when I knew that particular day, and I won't bore you with the whole story, it was quite supernatural for me, but I just knew that God wanted me to be a pastor. I went and told my pastor, who actually happened to be my dad, and finally like, okay, here's what, I, I know what I'm supposed to do. And he looked at me and said, son, I've already known that. I'm kind of like, what? How'd you know that? I haven't been talking to anybody, except my girlfriend Susan at the time, just trying to figure it out. And he looked at me and said, son, you know it's going to be hard. And I remember within me, just even tear to that time, said, dad, I know. I've lived the life as a pastor. You carry the burdens and people and challenges and opportunities and all of that. And, but in my heart, I just, I said, I know. But I said, they must hear the gospel. And I remember, I don't know if you ever have those moments, but I remember like, where did that come from? Like, that's that's not something I thought about. Like, I just had such an incredible burden for people and that people would know Jesus and be saved and experience His forgiveness and His grace and the change in His life just within me. And that's what God had put in my heart. He qualified me. And then when that finally got shared to the church, and by the way, when it involves ministry leaders, like we're talking about pastors and those, God not only tells the individual, but there's always a confirmation in the church body. In fact, for most ministries in general, there's confirmation. People see it like, oh my goodness, you are gifted at that. God has so got you in that. And I remember sharing with it, and there was an older man by the name of Walter Snow. He was like 90 years old. Uh, this is up, up in Maine. He lived in the 
uh, like Brooksville, Brooklyn area of Maine. And he said, what took you so long? And I was just floored. I'm like, what? You know, just people see it. God establishes that ministry. That's what God did with Samuel. That's what God will do in your life as you step forward in those kinds of things. We all serve. Some of the service things we do is just chores and things we got to do. But for most of us, there's a somewhat specialty niche that God has for us. And usually we're gifted in it and God will help us. We have to grow in it. I'm a better speaker today and preacher than I was 30 years ago, I think, I hope. And I've grown in how to help people. And you will too. But God is the one that will establish that and grow that and carve that out. So my final question as we think about this passage and before we share in the Lord's Supper together this morning is, is where are you in this story? I think I've told you we're going to ask that question a lot as we go through Samuel. Are you in a spot, are you, are you right now where Samuel was, where you've believed in God and you've done good things and been religious, but you really don't yet have that personal relationship through Jesus Christ? If that's where you are, then your really next step in your faith journey is, I encourage you to pray this morning to say, God, I believe this stuff. None of this is new, but I've never really introduced myself or surrendered myself to you. And God, I want to do that today. You need to take that step of faith and surrendering your life to Him. If you're not sure what exactly that means or you've got more questions or want to talk more about it, I'd be glad to talk with you afterwards or offline or at your house, have coffee. I'll go anywhere. Not Hawaii. I can't afford that. It's not in my budget or the church budget, but we'll get together, all right? And others can too. Maybe, maybe you're like, you know what? I've known Jesus, Sean. I know all the stuff you're talking about today. There's nothing in there that was new. You ought to be careful. If you've been a Christian a long time, you ought not hear anything new. <laughs> if you get to the point where you're like, well, it's just all the same old, it's actually not the church's problem. It's probably something in your heart, right? So, But maybe you're in that spot and God's maybe saying, yeah, that little thing, that little inkling that you've kind of had that's hit you a couple of times, you really do need to take the next step with that. And I don't know what that is, but I encourage you to take that step of service or whatever that is. Maybe in the middle of it, you're like, oh my goodness, I've just been busy and distracted and doing my thing and living my life and my plans, and I've really not been asking God what He wants me to do for Him. Maybe you need to step back and say, okay, God, what do I need to do? Maybe your work needs to be transformed, where it's not just you going to work, but it's you going to serve God in your workplace and to be a blessing to those there. Well, Sean, you don't know the kind of people that I work with. Yeah, I know I don't. But God has you there for a reason, so maybe He wants to use you. Or maybe there's something else that God is speaking to you. Maybe you've been trying to qualify yourself, and God's like, no, I need to qualify you. Maybe you've been like more like Eli and Hophni and Phinehas. They were called to that ministry, if you will, Eli at least. But he disqualified himself because of his sinfulness and his disobedience to God. Let's put it this way. God cannot use an unholy vessel for His good. If you're going to get surgery at the doctor, do you want the surgery to reach over and pull out a rusty old scalpel that's been used on the last three patients and been laying on the floor and you know, he cut his bologna sandwich or her bologna sandwich with and like, okay, ready to go here. And you're kind of like, what? I want something sterile and clean. God qualifies us 
But along the way, we, when we spend time with Him, we get His character. He makes us holy because we're with Him. I mean, that's, the, that's the deal. We get qualified because we're with Him. He changes our life. And sometimes, like Eli, we step out of it, and we may be saved and know God, but we're not with Him anymore. Maybe you're at that spot where you need to step back into it. I don't know. But this morning, I'm going to give you just a moment to respond to Him and that. And so I'm going to pray, and after that, we're going to talk about the Lord's Supper just a little bit, and we're going to celebrate what our Lord Jesus did for us. So let me pray for us. You can, if God's talking to you right now, you have my permission to ignore me, all right? And uh, my prayer, and you pray yourself to whatever is going on in your life. So let me pray, and then we'll do the next thing. Father, I pray for those hearts this morning in whom you are working. I thank you that you are real, the real God of heaven of this universe. And Lord, I know people struggle with so many questions of how could the world possibly be the way that it is if you were there. But Father, nonetheless, you are there, and there are real answers to those hard questions. So Lord, wherever each person is this morning, I don't know, but you do. I pray you would meet them at that point. Father, which of those scenarios, or if there's something else, maybe there's a burden or a concern, Lord, would you meet them there today, I pray. Thank you that you sent your son Jesus, that we can know you personally, and not just know about you, and not just believe in you, but to actually know you the way we know each other. Thank you for that reality, Father, and help us to serve you well. Help us to be with you in ministry and to allow you to change our lives and to make us fit and qualify us for that kind of service. Lord, help us to be that kind of people. I want to be that kind of pastor. All three of our pastors do. Lord, we want to be that kind of church. Help us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. Join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. at River of Life Church or find us online on Facebook, YouTube, or at riveralbany.com.